0: Give it our best try, and he, he looked at me and he said, I wouldn't let you do it if you weren't ready. And so Tom, Tom wherever you are, I, I just appreciate him and his confidence uh, in, in me and in being able to do this. Uh, so we're starting a new sermon series. Uh, it's my idea. It was my idea, so if you don't like it, uh, you can write me a letter. Uh, send me an email, matt at centralassembly.church. Uh, it's called Seek. And that is the, the title of our Christmas series. Uh, we, I always like to do something, some Christmas series. Uh, one of the tech people reminded me of the sermon series we did last year, which was called A Stable Influence. I couldn't, rem- I couldn't believe somebody remembered that we did a sermon series over Christmas that long ago. But here we are. It's uh, Seek is the name. And, and just to introduce Seek to you, we've got to turn to Matthew chapter 7. So we're going to dive right into the scripture this morning. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven uh, says this "Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you." Verse eight. "For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open." Verse nine. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If then, who, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good, give good things to those who ask him? So the, the sermon series is Seek, and it's going to be based on Jesus' life, but I thought it's good to read Matthew 7 and get the context of of what's happening uh, in our lives currently, but in the world as a whole. Because see, seek is a verb that means to attempt to find. To attempt to find. And I think that really describes really well what humanity is trying to do still. We are trying to find something. We're looking for something. Whether it's meaning or reason or passion, or love, or connection. These are all things that I believe the world is looking for and seeking for in in our lives and in existence. Everyone is seeking something. Men, women, everyone seems to think there's something more out there than just us. And I think that should be really, really encouraging to us as Christians. We we should be excited that humankind has not stopped seeking in existence. And so I believe there's two reasons why we as as humanity are seeking, we're looking, we're trying to find something. So the first one is this, that something must be written on the heart. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I'm I'm just going to read a quote for you. Hopefully you can follow along. Charles Spurgeon says this in, in a sermon. He said, If there was nothing on the heart, it would be no heart at all. A heart without something in it is just a dull, dead vacuum, and not fit for such a creature as man. And as Chuck as we call him in the business, uh, he I would have to agree with him. There has to be something written on our hearts, something inside of us that drives us forward that brings us somewhere. Even if that that thing that is written on our hearts, even if that which is written is is evil, something is still being written on the heart. I would hope that that here, what's being written on your heart is from God, that it's his story in you being told through your life that's being written on your heart. If everyone was completely content with our existence, we were completely okay with where we're at, as humanity, right? Not just you and me are okay, but all of humanity was okay. I I believe that there'd be no need for a God even if he existed. Because God brings meaning in where we are at. And so because something has to be written on the heart of man, we seek God. Even if you don't realize it, we seek God. The other reason I believe that we seek is because we have the knowledge of good and evil. You and I know the difference between good and evil and the difference therein. It's written into our existence. You and I know it. And the fact that there are those two choices, I believe, points to God. I hear the people sometimes argue and say, I don't believe in God because... There's evil in the world. Have you heard this argument? Anybody heard this argument? I've heard this argument. There's evil in the world, so there can't be a God because there's evil in the world. And I look at that argument and I say, you just prove that God exists. Because if there's evil, there must be good. And that, there, that reality means there must be a moral being to base good and evil off of. And so we have that written on our hearts, and that means that we seek in our lives And so, in this Christmas season, as we go into the series Seek, we're going to look at different experiences that happen in the story of Jesus' birth that will help us find ways to seek God in new ways. And I think Christmas is a great time to remember what it means to seek God. And, And here we are, December 2nd. Christmas is 23 days away. It's a perfect time to think about this. You all playing Christmas music? It's in your cars, it's in your home, it's uh, the Christmas tree is being set up, the presents are getting wrapped and purchased. There's a lot happening as we're, we're going towards Christmas. And I always, it always surprises me the amount of nostalgia that gets wrapped up in the Christmas season in our lives. There's a lot of nostalgia going on. I always, uh, a friend of mine who's a worship pastor in the area as well, we always talk about you don't mess with Christmas nostalgia. You can mess with a lot of other nostalgia, but if you do something that's completely off in Christmas, you're gonna hear about it. If you, we don't play a single Christmas song this whole Christmas season. I'm sure one of you will say, Matt, you didn't play any Christmas music. There's a lot of nostalgia that comes alongside this season. I think that's because that's God, the way God wired us. So the top ways that nostalgia I think happens is one, smell. Scent is a huge part of nostalgia in our lives. It brings us back to moments. Uh, certain smells, you can just be in that place in your, in your past. Or sounds, sounds can be another way that you're just, you're just transported back in time. You can, you can almost close your eyes and imagine whatever that memory is along with that song. Christmas, I, I always remember and think back to my nostalgia, and we, we got these Game Boys in Christmas. Uh, we'll, we'll put up a picture just in case you're unaware of what a Game Boy is, because there's some of you that might not know. So the, this is a Game Boy. They're cool. I think they're cool. And the thing on it is called a light boy. So these Game Boys, they didn't have a backlight, so when you wanted to play your Game Boy at night, you had to have this device that had a light on it with a magnifying glass so you could see the games that you're playing. They were the, the, when we got them, they were the height of technology. <laughs> Four AA batteries can transport you, would transport you to Mario World, Wario World, Pokemon World. That's not really a game, but it is now, but it wasn't then. Or my personal favorite, Tetris Attack. I love Tetris Attack. And when we got them, I felt awesome. It was great. Another memory that I have, another nostalgic moment is in 2004 when I graduated high school. Hopefully it doesn't make too many of you feel old. That dreaded switch from presents to socks and underwear. Right? That's... That's a, that's, a, that's a moment that I'll never forget, 2004, you open up socks and underwear, and you, you still feel thankful, right? You're thankful you have a family, you're thankful that they at least got you something, but there's a little part of you that's sad, like you didn't get a toy. I know I was 18, but it still was, it still was a moment. Uh, 2008, Kayla and I were just married. In our first year, we were in our first apartment, which someday I'll have to tell you a story about our first apartment, it was, it was awesome. But we were having our first Christmas together and I bought Kaylin a backpack, a black North Face backpack. She's cringing in the front row here. She knows the story. So I got in this backpack, I thought for sure I had hit this thing out of the park when we were first married. Little backpacks were kind of the thing, and so I was like, oh, I could do this backpack. It was a little bit more than I wanted to spend. and It was under the tree, and I was so excited. And she opens the present, and she goes, oh. <laughs> and you, if you're married, you know that, that, that you have you've missed the mark completely. It turns out, in my first year of marriage, I didn't know my wife all that well. I've learned, mostly she has clothes now. Mostly it's clothes. It seems like in Christmas, our our hearts just turn a little bit softer, right? This season, it softens us. Everything just seems a little bit more right. Even if there's tons of chaos in the world, this season makes everything seem just a little bit more right. The troubles that plague our existence 11 months out of the year seem just a little bit further away in December. This is a great time to remember what our faith is around, right? Because you're listening to music that's all about the birth of this person, Jesus. And for some of you, in Samuel's case, that music has been playing a little bit longer, yeah. a little bit longer. I think we remember our experiences of childhood in our childhood with such fondness. It's amazing. And I think it's good. I think it's great that remember we remember those, those moments when we, we were kids or when we were raising our kids, those fond memories that we have. And we, the thing is that we want to go back to those things. We want to reclaim that glory. Uh, we want to re- reclaim the memory that we have. We want to reproduce it. We want to reproduce our experiences, which are a huge part of who we are. Those experiences are you. They're unique to you. I, I can't. Re, we can't make you in somebody else because the experiences you have are yours. 100%. And so today, I want to talk about seeking through experience in, in a sermon that I'll call The Way of the Shepherds. So let's turn to Luke chapter 2. That's the story of Jesus being born. We'll start with verse eight. <clears throat> and this is, this is what Luke chapter two, verse eight says, and we'll read uh, two to verse 20. It says this. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, verse nine. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made no one saying, "This has been told them concerning this child." And all who heard them, it, uh, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this season. Lord, I thank you that this season does something in us, that it brings back memories and nostalgia becomes a part of it because I think it means that there are things that are good. Thank you that we get to be here. Lord, help us to learn how to seek you through experience today. In your name, amen. In the story we just read, the shepherds, this story, I think there's a common theme that happens in the Bible often. And that is that God or an angel tends to show up in somebody's life and change their life. Right? Moses. Shepherding sheep. Sees the burning bush. Goes over to the burning bush. God says, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. Moses takes off his sandals. And God changes the trajectory of his life forever. Mary. The angel appears to Mary, tells her, you have found favor with God. Changes her life forever. <clears throat> Paul, we'll, we'll go past Jesus. Paul, Jesus shows up, he gets thrown off his horse, which I'd be kind of angry about. Because that's, that's a long way to fall. And God says, I want you. Changes the trajectory of his life forever. Forever. And I wonder, like in Mary's experience, especially, what it must have been like to have an angel appear to her in that moment. Like, Mary, was Mary in her house, and does the light, like, slowly f- fill the room more and more and more and more and more and more and more until the angel's there? Or was it like Mary was looking out the window, pondering whatever early people in that time period pondered when they were looking out windows? And the angel appears behind her but doesn't say anything and waits quietly for her to turn around. And then the angel's there. Or was it a knock at the door? Like the angel came and knocked at the door. She opens the door. There's the angel that has appeared. Or was it really that all of a sudden, just... The angel was there. I I don't know. I, I mean, you take your pick. Whichever you think is more exciting. The Bible doesn't tell us how the angel appears. But I think what we can gain from this is, we, I think that's how we want God to show up in our lives, right? We want Jesus to just kind of appear out of nowhere and from thin air and tell us what to do or where to go or how to live our lives. And to be honest, I, I believe with all my heart that that can happen, that God can show up in, in, in a very physical form to you or to I. And honestly, I pray that someday that happens because what an awesome, like, Confirmation of your faith you, There's no way to like, have an angel appear out of nowhere And then two days later go eh, Maybe not Maybe not Because it's, it's, it's undeniable And so I hope that someday that, that can happen uh, For me But I think God shows up in our lives All the time in power All the time That's, that's one way that we can Experience God is that he just Shows up and does something And all we need to do is just open our hearts to this idea that God does show up in unexpected places in our lives. And and to be perfectly honest, a lot of times for me, when God shows up in a moment in my life, I don't really notice it or realize it until a couple days later, most of the time. I don't realize that, oh, like that was God doing something in my life, whoa, that is so cool. When I moved down, I moved down to the cities in 2007 to follow my wife, Kaelin. We had been dating for a year, and long distance just wasn't a thing I wanted to do anymore. And so, like any brave soul, I decided to move down to the cities with no job and no place to stay, and I thought I'd figure it out for love, for love. (laughs) A very smart decision. I had about a month saved up, a month's earnings saved up to live off of while I was down there. And the day before I decided the day that I was going to leave, somebody called me and said, Hey, I have a room for you. You can stay here. But I had no job. The epitome of a really bad idea. (laughs) Having no job but moving down to the cities. So I got down to the cities. I moved into my apartment. Over the weekend, I went out on Monday morning and started driving around trying to find places to apply for work. So before I had moved down to the cities, I had applied at a few credit unions. I worked at credit, uh, the credit unions before moving down, and so I thought I had some good experience that I could use to get a job. I drove around for a while and never really knew anything about downtown Minneapolis. It was just learning, and I got super lost and turned around. And so I was driving around, and I was going down a... Road really close to where uh, we would eventually get an apartment. And I remember driving down Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis saying, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you put me in a place where I'm completely lost, in need of a job desperately, and do this to me? And I remember saying that out loud in my car, because that's the great place to say anything you don't really want other people to <laughs> hear. The car's a great place to say those things. I said it out loud and kept on driving down Franklin Avenue. I drove by a building that on the side said City and County Federal Credit Union. And I thought, well, I applied at City and County Credit Union in St. Paul. I'll stop in here and see if the branch manager had seen my application. I walked into the building with all the confidence in the world after yelling at God and, and and talked to the front desk lady and I said, hey, you know, I was just curious. I turned in an application at City and County Credit Union. I was just curious if I could talk to your, your branch manager and see if he'd seen my application. And the lady's like, "Hun, this isn't City and County Credit Union. I was like, I, I already, I mean, I've already seen City and County. It was on the door. Like, You can't tell me this is not City and County Credit Union. She said, no, 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 no. This is City and County Federal Credit Union. So there's, if you don't know, there's a difference between a credit union and a federal credit union. I didn't know that at the time, but now I do. <laughs> I now feel educated. So I said, I, I said oh, well, if this is a different place, I want to put in an application, and I still want to talk to your branch manager. I sat in the lobby, filled out an application, gave it in, talked to the branch manager, just said hi. Went home, and I went, that was a weird experience. <laughs> that was awkward. Two hours later, I got a call from the branch manager. Hey, come back in here. We need you to, I need you to do an interview. A day after that, I had a job. God had shown up supernaturally in my life in a way that I didn't expect, even though, admittedly, I yelled at him. Matthew seven twenty two, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? The shepherds had done nothing to grant them access to the most majestic display of God's power and glory that I think graces anywhere, anything in Scripture. The angel appears and then a multitude of heavenly hosts sing praises to God in the heavens. I mean, talk about goosebumps. Like, goosebumps. I think it is one of the most majestic statements of God's love and mercy and care. And most scholars believe and say that shepherds in Jesus' day were riffraff. They weren't seen as upstanding members of society. They were seen as outcast members of society. They were seen as lesser parts of the community. And here God shows up and does what he does. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing God we have. He shows up. Just like those Nintendo Game Boys that had no clue were going to be under the tree just showed up because my mom and dad loved me and I thought it was super cool. God does the same thing when he shows up in our lives. And often it just feels like unwarranted grace. The shepherds, nothing stood out about them. Nothing was different about them. They were normal people. And God decided to show up in such a powerful way. And I believe that he can do it in your life. And so I think we should pray for it. I think you and I should be praying, saying, God, show up. Please show up. Because you know how to give good gifts. You as parents know how to give good gifts. You as friends know how to give good gifts. And you, by nature, are evil, are fallen, are fallen. Are separated from God, but God, who is good, who is merciful, who is, who is, who is not fallen, how much more will He give good gifts to those who ask? The shepherd story—I I feel like I've heard it a lot. I grew up in a Christian home. I—I I was at four years old. I think I decided to get saved, and I got resaved in sixth grade, and I got resaved at eighteen. But I've been in a Christian home. And I've heard the shepherd's story over and over and over and over again. In all those days of my life, until now, till, till preparing for this moment in time, I always thought that the angel, after the multitude had shown up and sang its praises and God had done his thing, that the angel then turned towards the shepherds and said, Now go ye and find thy Jesus. Right? That they had they had, had a decree to, to go and find Jesus this Christ. And I think that makes a good amount of sense, right? The Bible that we've already shown with Moses and with Paul that there are directives that God gives to people most of the time. Moses, go free my people. Paul, go wait for the person that I've set out to, to talk to you. There's directives. But in this case, God... God gives them, hey, you can find Jesus. And then the shepherds, it says, in Luke 2.15, it says, when the angels had went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known unto us. I think we can experience God by just going out and doing so the first way we can experience God is God just shows up supernaturally in your life. He just says, hey, this is my moment, I'm, I'm taking it. God shows up. I think the other way we experience God is by stepping out, getting off the couch and saying, God, I'm just going to serve you and do for you what you've set out for me. And I believe if, you're, if you struggle with this and you wonder, what, what should I do? and what should I, I, I really feel like I need God to give me some direction here on, on how to live out my faith and, and to go out and do. I think there's things the Bible lays out for us that you don't need to pray about. You don't need to fast about. In fact, you don't even need confirmation that God wants you to do this. So here's my not really exhaustive list of three things that I could think of real quickly that you can do today without having any confirmation from God because God's already said He wants you to do it. First, love your neighbor. Hey, we've, you've heard it a lot this last year. Love your neighbor. God's already directed you to do that. So you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to ask. You can start doing it. Taking care of the widow and the orphan. Two things that are close to God's heart, the Bible says. Taking care of the widow and the orphan. You don't need to ask if you should, if you should do that. You can just do that. And that... that that will be following God. The other thing that you can do is live generously. God, God sets out to live a generous life to give as you would want to receive. And so you don't have to ask to be generous. You don't have to, God, should I be generous here? Should I Should I really give? You can know God, God wants you to be generous. And this, this, like I said, is by no means the exhaustive list of all the things we could do today uh, and know that God is on our side. It's just a short list of, Three things, like I said. You want to know those things are in the Bible. Pick up your Bible and you will find directives that you can do without prayer, without fasting, without confirmation from God because he's already directed you through his word. And so going out and and living out of faith is seeking God, is seeking Jesus. And in faith... I think we can get to a place in our lives where it's, it's like dieting where we, we really think we should make a change, we really want to make a change, we really desire to make a change in our lives, but it's hard. And we, we have ideas of the diet we'd like to do or the things we'd like to cut out of our meals or the things that we'd like to um, eat more of or the exercise you'd like to do or the amount of weights you'd like to lift or how far you'd like to run. The thing about the diet is that wishful thinking leads to disappointment, right? If you wishfully think, I want to do these things and that's nice, and if you wishfully think about dieting, you're just going to lead yourself to disappointment in your life. You need to make meaningful change in those places if you're, if you're feeling that that's necessary. You, you have to step out and say, I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to stop buying Mountain Dew or I'm gonna stop eating candy bars, or whatever is, is the thing that you're feeling like you need to do, you have to step up into that and, and start to do that. You have to start running, or walking, or doing something physically active. You can't just think that would be nice. And in faith, we can't just say, well, I really love my neighbors, and that be wishful thinking. Because wishful thinking leads you, like I said, to disappointment, and in faith, that will lead to disappointment. You need to go out and make the changes you want to see happen. I think we cede so much power in our Christian lives, in our faith, to the idea of doing something for God instead of stepping out and doing something for God. We love the idea of, yeah, let's let's make this change here. Let's love our neighbors and see people come to Jesus and let's really live it out. But, you have to start stepping out in faith and seeing what happens, and see what happens. Like I said, with my first Christmas with Kaylin in our apartment down in the cities, I bought her a backpack, and I thought she would love it. Oh my goodness, I thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. It was, I was, oh. She was gonna really love me for the gifts I gave. And I think the biggest reason that that gift failed is because I, I didn't know my wife as well as I do today. I've learned, in 10 years, I've learned about Kaylin, a lot. I promise you now, the gifts that, are under the, that I've bought for her this year are probably much closer to what she really wants than the first year that we were married. And I'll let you know if that's not true. <laughs> but, but, I guarantee you in 10 more years, when we're in our 20th year of marriage, I'll know a lot more about Kaylin then, than I do now. I've learned that she mostly likes clothes for Christmas, and so that is what I do. The same thing goes with God in experience. The first couple times you step out and start to do, you are going to fail. Believe me, you will. Because you're learning about the God you serve, the Christ that you serve. And so sometimes we have to stay with it. You will struggle to meet your neighbors the first time. I do. It was really hard to get new neighbors and try to meet them and actually have a relationship with them and say hi. It was hard to, it's still hard to make consistent effort to know them and to care about them. But through time and through effort, you will learn. You will grow. And what you learn with this neighbor when that neighbor moves and a new neighbor neighbor moves in, you can apply what you've learned from the last neighbors and apply it to those neighbors. In church, try different ministries. There is nothing here. We don't have a contract that you sign when you start to volunteer at Central Assembly that says, wherever you decide to serve first is where you're going to be for the rest of your life. Thank goodness. It's just not here. You're going to have to trial and error it. You may think you really love taking care of babies, and you get in there and you go, this isn't for me. And then instead of trying something else, you just don't serve at all. That's not okay. Try something else. Maybe youth may surprise you. Yeah. Youth group will surprise you. Maybe you get into the youth group and you start serving as a youth sponsor and you go, this is what I wanted to do. You could surprise yourself. Yeah. Try different things. Step out in faith and believe that God will meet you where you are at. Explore what it means to live out Christianity. I give you license right now, right here. I give you license to explore, to try, to do new things. Because it'll, it'll reveal new parts of who God is to you. What he wants to do in the world around you. And it'll be an amazing experience for you. And so no matter what happens in our lives... Whether God shows up supernaturally and just changes our world like He did for me with with my employment down in the cities, or or we step out and we try new things and we, we step out to have experiences with God in faith, I think we get left in the same place both times. Both ways, whether God shows up or we step out and, and just start to live out our faith and seek God through experience in that way. We get left with humility, we get humbled. You go, God, you are so good. The fact that you just showed up and made all this make sense, that you did all this for, for me, it humbles you. When you step out and you start to serve and God makes a difference in, the, in your life and the people around you as, you as you serve and as you step out and try to experience through living out your faith, you get humbled. You go, God, I can't believe you can use me. You're so good. And the other thing that happens is you end up being in awe of God. Luke 2.20 says that they went away in awe of God. Awe is a feeling of reverent respect mixed with fear and wonder. Luke 2.20, and the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So you're wondering why faith doesn't feel exciting. You're wondering why coming to church feels Um, humdrum, or normal, or completely uninteresting. But you do it anyway, because you're faithful. I believe, more than anything, that we should pray that God shows up, and we should start finding ways to demonstrate our faith in meaningful ways. Experiencing God, I found, is a lot like the shepherds in our lives. God shows up and then we have to step out. God shows up and then we have to step out. God shows up and then we have to step out. And so if you want to jumpstart your faith this, this holiday season, if you want to really get going in a good direction over this Christmas season and into next year, seek experiences with God. Seek them. Look for them. When we have people down here on Sunday morning to pray during worship, don't leave that on the table. You'll never be disappointed coming down and receiving prayer. Even if it's just, hey, everything's good, I just want you to pray that God reveals himself more to me. Even that prayer has meaning for you. Another way that we can do it is is through communion. Experiences. Communion should be an experience for us. We have grape juice and a wafer, and it can, again, become just a normal part of our routine. Every first Sunday of the month here at Central Assembly, we celebrate communion. And I'd say, let's try looking at it different this time. Let it be an experience for you this this morning. Say, God, show up in communion. We're reflecting on what you did in this season. We're thinking about Jesus coming and being born, and this, this is part of that remembering that we, we should be doing, let it be an experience for you. And I believe God will show up in your lives. And so I hope this was encouraging. My heart with this message was to encourage you. Seeking God is an important thing. We need to look and to seek and to find who he is. Matthew 7, knock and the doors will be open. Seek and you shall find. And I think that that's just an amazing thing we can do in, when we ask to experience God. So we're going to take community together as, as we end service today. Like I said, let it be an experience for you. We're going to sing one song of worship after, as you are passing out the different elements. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I, I really hope that this helps you uh, get excited for seeking God this, this holiday season. Of the men come that are going to serve us today.